Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And I think we're going to be talking a little bit of shit about Chelsea today. I think it's uh, I think it's well-founded. But with that being said, I am going to kind of caveat off with this. If you tuned in thinking that you're going to get some negative Nancy podcasts where we're all doom and gloom and the world is ending, you've come to the wrong place. Um, so here to join me in fairly criticizing Chelsea's last performance are my two co-hosts, as usual. I have here Sam and Andre. So Sam, I'll start with you first. Big day in F1. I know your blood was boiling from the race a little earlier, um, yeah. but I know your blood was boiling even more from that Chelsea match. Yeah, Zach, speak for yourself. We're going to be fair and rational? No, I I, I said to we're going to go... fairly criticize. Yeah, but the rational yeah. part, I'm I'm going to go off. I'm going to go off the rails a little <laughs> bit. No, it just kidding. But um, yeah, two two really bad things to come out uh, of this match. It was the first 4:30 a.m. start that I woke up for this season, and it happened to be this match. So that's a big L for me. Um, another big L for me. We're no longer on top of the table, so I can't do my rap. That everyone loves so much. So, if there's any motivation for uh, you know for the squad to perform better next week, um, you want that rap back on the show, okay? So, <laughs> no let's wins, get it no together. Bars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're gonna need a little help from the rest of the Premier League to get back there. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part. Well, welcome back, Andreas. Uh, we didn't mention why you weren't uh, on the last episode. You want to tell us, uh, fill in the rest of the listeners on what what you spent your what was it Friday night doing Saturday? What was, I don't know. Wednesday what day it was Wednesday night. Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, um, Chelsea was on tour, and the Champions League trophy was here in Houston. So um, the Bayou City Blues were hosting not only the trophy but also tour under flow. And I got to go to the event, which was pretty sick. Um, lost my voice a little bit with the chanting. Got to see the trophy. Did got you to touch it? Tour on the floor. No, no, I didn't. So I stayed for the Q&A section with Tor Andre Flo, and then I had to leave to go to a uh, to my futsal final. Um, so I've which touched the Premier League trophy under Conte season, but I have not touched the Tuchel Champions League trophy, unfortunately. I've touched a Conte trophy too, when I went yeah, in towards so, the bridge. Yeah, same. But They're you like got surfing. to touch you touched the First futsal championship the... trophy, right? I did. Okay, yes, good. I did. So we won. We won. So it's our our third time winning the league, second in three seasons. Bravo. So Bravo. that was a, that was good. Is it, it was a, a nice little win over over our our rivals, the Danglers? <laughs> the Danglers. I hate What's your team yeah. is. Uh, we're Tiki Taka FC. Very creative. That's, that's like cool. that's like a right, foot right. name. <laughs> I was gonna. Th- I thought the same thing. I've seen that on <laughs> yeah. the Ultimate Team a couple times. Uh, no, but but the Chelsea event was pretty sick. Um, there was there was a fan that drove all the way from Tulsa, which is about a ten hour drive. Damn. Um, I got to also reconnect with uh Thomas, who is uh, the president of Austin Blues. Um, met John with uh, Chelsea in America. He leads the Southwest uh like regional chapter 
Um, so it was a pretty cool experience. Uh, and of course, Tori Underflow was a fantastic guy. You know, he was answering questions about like his favorite goal was during uh, Chelsea's first time in, in the Champions League. I think he said it was against Barcelona. Talked about like the most skillful player he played with was Zola. And uh, he said like, yeah. And, and then like the other part that, you know, he's like the, his whole role is to to keep tabs on the the loan army. So, you know, he of course was asked about the players and who, who have been like the biggest talents and he, no shock there, talked about Mount and, and Reese James. So yeah, the, the way he handled himself, super humble guy, like a fan brought up the fact that he had a brace against Brazil in the 2002 world cup. And he just kind of like smiled it off. Like, yeah, yeah, I did do that. It's like, dude, <laughs> Wait, so he works like currently sick. in the, at the uh, like in the organization right now, like in yeah. scouting. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't yeah. know that. No, well, he he works with. I think he's just an ambassador now. No, he works with the loan army. So like his oh, okay. whole, like his job was like to to kind of keep keep tabs on all the players, how they're doing abroad, and that sort of thing. Current so job, that's or that's like I a pre? That was like a like an older job. You don't know if he still has that. I don't, know. I don't want to speak I out thought, of terms. I thought though. Ashley Cole was supposed to be there. I read that online. He he didn't come to... He was not in Houston. He might be in a different city. Oh. Well, at least... Yeah, I'm surprised they're not coming out to LA. I'm really disappointed about that. Nowhere on the West Coast. I think... I think uh, I think Houston's the furthest yeah, it goes. Yeah, that was the farthest West they went. So, I don't know. I, it would have been more than a 10-hour drive for us. So, probably wouldn't have hey. made that. Hey Chelsea, remember when I flew all the way to London to watch you lose two one against Spurs? Yeah, you gotta it, make up for this that. This is this is how you repay me. Bring the trophy <laughs> to LA. Let me take a picture with it at least. Damn it. Yeah. Just at least Photoshop me in a picture with it. I don't know. I'm gonna Photoshop. I'm sure you guys have yeah. someone on your social media team who can help us out with that. Yeah. So, j- just to clarify, he is still the his position's name is the lone player technical coach. Well, oh. I had no idea. Yeah, so, so cool. I I didn't want to speak out of terms. So yeah, his whole job is to like, kind of keep tabs on everyone that's abroad. Did he mention anybody uh, that's currently um, like in the youth ranks that he thinks is gonna make the jump? Like, did anybody ask him who's next? Basically, uh, I'm curious to see what he would have said. Uh, as much as I'd love to continue talking about that, we gotta talk about this West Ham match. So. Before we get into the West Ham yeah, match, can please. we just give a shout out to the, the Chelsea women who are quadruple domestic yeah. champs? Or quadruple. Yeah, the quadruple. I think they won the treble. No, four. Four really? trophies. Yep. Four. Beat, beat, uh, Arsenal 3 0. Yeah, in the so. FA Cup final today. Quite, quite on brand. Yeah, just a preview of what's to come uh, for the men's team. Who knows? Emma Hayes is just goaded. Yeah. Um, all right, it's time, it's time, boys. West Ham 3, Chelsea 2, um, running through the starting lineup, Mendy in goal, Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and Christensen in the back three, Marcus Alonso and Reese James as the wing backs, uh, Jorginho and RLC as the midfielders, and a front three of Mason Mount, Hakeem Ziyech, and Kai Havertz. Confirmed. That it's pronounced Ziesh now. Right, Andreas? <clears throat> so we were right. Correct. The announcers were wrong. So we got to start off. We got to talk about Mendy. Because, you know, not to discredit everything that he's done up to this point. But to be fair, that was probably his worst match in a Chelsea jersey. You know, and it's not 
to say that I'm done with him, and I think that this is the way he's going to be for the rest, you know, of his of his tenure here. But I think it's fair to say that this was his worst match in a Chelsea jersey. Yeah. A number of a number of errors. So obviously the first one, the penalty. We'll start off by talking about the Jorginho back pass because it's now two league matches or no two out of three league matches in a row where uh, a poor Jorginho back pass has led to a goal directly pretty much. Um, But I, you know, obviously Mendy could have done more with it, but like, if you want, I think if you wanted to like apportion blame, I would give like 25% to Jorginho and 75% to Mendy. Right? Would you guys agree with that? Uh, Andres, do you want to go first, or, or or could I go first? You can go first. Okay. Um, I don't I don't put percentages on it. I don't think the players are gonna go into the dressing room and be like, yeah, this part was my fault and that part was your fault. I think Jorginho is gonna look at himself and think it's his fault. I think Mendy's gonna look at himself and think it's his fault. And I think Mendy would be the one to, that is correct in thinking it's his fault. The back pass was shit. Yes, it didn't have any weight on it. It didn't have any speed or pace. I don't Bo- think Jorginho was right there saw too. Bo- yeah, I don't sorry. even think he saw Bowen, and I think that's why he made the pass. But with that being said, he gave Mendy more than enough time to clear his lines. And if you're Mendy in that situation, you need to one read the field, identify the situation. And not take that extra touch. Clear it. Send it all the way into the, I, I don't care what row it lands in. You need to clear your line sometimes. And as a goalkeeper, you need to have that, you know, that knowledge and know-how of how to read certain situations in game and know when to take an extra touch and know when to clear your lines and just hoof it up the pitch. And I think for Mendy, that's that's where it lies on him. He took a touch and he still had another opportunity to poke it away. And instead, he loses the ball and obviously gives up the penalty. So for me, it's on Mendy. I I, I don't get the Jorginho hate. I think it's bullshit. I, I kind of preface my intro into the pod as like it's not going to be negative. And it was mainly pointed towards all the Jorginho boo boys. For someone that touches the ball over 100 times a match, he's going to make mistakes. But this mistake wasn't catastrophic from him. The lines could have been cleared more than once by Mendy. And that's, for, for me, why it lies on Mendy, not Jorginho. Yeah, I just think it's okay. Players make back passes all the time. Like that that happens with everyone. It's not like Mendy had to run 30 yards to get to it. If the if the pass is coming with a little bit of power, just freaking boot it. And and the thing is like the pass was bad, but so was the first touch, the second touch, the third touch, and then the penalty that was given away. So again, it wasn't just the pass, it was he could have cleared it in the second touch or the third touch, but Mendy thought he was quicker than a Premier League winger and got absolutely screwed by it. Like, this isn't the first time that Mendy kind of, like, does a weird thing in the box. I mean, I'm thinking of the time where he, like, ran out of his line and in, instead of sliding, he kind of, like, took out a a player. I can't remember against who it was, but it was, like, in the top left portion of his box, like, late last season, I want to say. But it's just, like, we just had an issue where, against United, where... Clearing the ball would have been like 
end of story. And this and that time I was Georgi- on Jorginho. So it's like that style of mistake was addressed at some point in the week. And Mendy didn't quite catch on to the memo that that applies to him too. So to me, it's just like, just do it. Just clear it. You're the last man. Like, what are you doing? But you're also forgetting the clearance that he had that in the United game that went right to uh, Fred's feet and mm-hmm. Fred gifted it, you know, so graciously back to him. <laughs> you think, but do you think like that was in the back of his head a little bit? Well, that that was like an attempted pass. Like it's not like he booted it away. Like, was it a pass? Whatever I think that it was, a clearance was. attempt. I, I mean, it didn't go. No, very I mean, far. he took a touch, looked up, and then played it straight to Fred. Yeah, I think it right. Was a pass. Okay, that's true. So, like at this point, like if pressure is coming, and at this point in the match, Lukaku's on the pitch, like hoof up a fifty-fifty. Worst case scenario, we don't win the fifty-fifty. It goes out of bounds, or or we lose position in their final third not ours so again it was a bad mistake and uh i think russell saunders would be or one of our listeners russell saunders friend of the pod would be very very happy to hear us criticize uh mendy's play um or at least uh his ability on the ball because uh, before last episode he didn't really ask a question he uh, made a comment about uh, Mendy being. Uh, I think he called him. Did he call him the center? He said, "I don't want Mendy to think he's Iniesta either or Maradona today. Get rid of, or simply play a thirty-yard pass to someone in blue." That's what he said. We didn't mention that, and then he called us out. He said, "So we're not allowed to question anything the Senegalese Iniesta does anymore." Good to know. A little tongue-in-cheek. Uh, that was not intentional that we didn't mention him uh, or mention your question. We're not afraid to, uh, you know, criticize our players. We, we still think he's a world-class shot stopper, except uh, when the shot is a, is a cross attempt miss hit coming from uh, the left side and dipping into the top left corner somehow. Uh, how about that last goal? Uh <laughs> That was Cisse uh, vibes. It reminded me of Cisse scoring against us. No, uh, for no but Cisse was on purpose. <laughs> that shot yeah, was on this purpose. Was just like this, I like saw it, and I was like, first I was like, oh, that went out of bounds. Then I was like, oh wait, no, dude, Mendy pushed it out of bounds. Oh wait, no, the ball's in the back of the net. Yeah, this was Zapacosta vibes. <laughs> I think I think Mendy. Mendy Mendy saw it leave his foot and took a step out and then the ball swerved back in and I think yeah. that's where Mendy kind of got fucked. Well, he also Look, he, he saw, looked ahead, like he looked I, up I the field. Mendy, I thought Mendy saw him beat. Uh, I think it was Christensen, and then he thought, okay, this guy's about to cross it because Masuaku or whatever, however you say his name, was trying to cross it. So he looked up towards the middle of the box to see yep. who's there. Yeah. And then by the time he realized the ball was hit, it wasn't going there anymore. So it's just like everything that went wrong did. Yeah. I mean, how much how much blame do you put on Mendy for not stopping that? Nah, I don't. Nah. That's a freak goal. I mean, I, even Masuaku tweeted afterwards, like, shot or pass, how many of you thought it was a shot? And then he was like, not me. Yeah, I know he admitted. I think 
Yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was interesting what Tuchel said after the match when they asked him about the goal, and he's like, I, I'm not even really dwelling on that because I'm not dwelling on it being the winner because it, it should have been the goal that tied the match. And, and, and that's where his real frustration was. It's not that we lost the match because of it. It's because, you know, if we didn't make that mistake leading up to it, it would have just been a tie. And we would have walked or, away with at least a point and something. Uh, I mean, I, we can talk about Tuchel in, right now because I don't agree with anything he said after this game. Yeah, because he agreed. downplayed how we played. And I think that, sure, the penalty was a thing, but we scored immediately afterwards and went into halftime 2-1. to one. Kai Havertz got hurt. We'll talk about him in a bit. But the second half was the worst half of football I think I've seen this team play as a unit. I Not once did I think we were the better team in the second half. No. Like, nothing. Yeah. Like, first off, like, I'll start with the Watford. Watford match, was it? Was that the previous match to this one? Midweek, mm-hmm. Watford? Mm-hmm. Okay, so that game, we need to literally, like, and I'm not, I'm trying to say this respectfully because thank God this person's okay, but we need a guy to have a heart attack to give a second life in this game because Tuchel had a second chance to go into the locker room to get the team straight. Here, we had to get a fantastic volley from Mount to fix an issue. We go into halftime, and then the team doesn't do anything. Two to one, 70% possession, like complete control of a match. And that went to complete shit in the second half. Nothing to show for that. Nothing to show for what was going to be a dominant derby. It, it was unbelievable I, we, we talked about it before the pod Andres I agree with you completely I, this was the first time where Tuchel spoke after a match and I you knew I mean he's always gonna speak honestly I don't think he was lying in his assessment but I just kind of disagreed I don't think we played well enough to win this match period um if if, if you want to be completely honest West Ham should have won it four two a Bowen missed an open mm-hmm. net about yeah, the, five the or six minutes before Michael Antonio the Michael yeah. Antonio cross yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And, and and that came off another stupid giveaway in the corner, too, off I don't know who, but I think Mikel Antonio bodied Cho and yeah, got the ball. Yeah, yeah. And and played that ball in. But for me, it's 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 more something's not clicking at the moment. And yes, we have the injury bug, and yes, we're a little tired, but Tuchel even said and it's probably the only thing I agreed with that we're not going to use tiredness as an excuse because if we are, then we're going to lose the next eight matches and every other team in the Premier League is dealing with the same shit we are in terms Mm -hmm. of fatigue and injuries. So that's not the problem. The problem is the mentality. When we go out onto the pitch, our mojo, our confidence, our swagger, it just seemed to completely dissipate, especially after that that Mendy mistake. But in the last three matches, there have been large periods of the match where we don't look like the Chelsea of the last 18 months or so. And 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 I think that's the that's the disappointment here. And and that's the part where I completely disagree with Tuchel because he came in and said, "Yeah, you know, we played well enough to win the match and it's a disappointment that we didn't take all three points." No. It wasn't it was it was a disappointment we didn't take one point. How could we even talk about three points? And and it's not even that. We didn't do jack shit to win this game. We had to get another bailout goal from a from a defender. And Mason Mount, you know, scoring a worldie, it 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 just doesn't add up for me. I, I don't know if Tuchel came into that, uh, you know, press conference or whatever thinking, hey, you know, I, I just don't want to put out a bad message to the players. But in all honesty, he should have put them all on the spot. 
it's a mentality issue. It's, you know, he mm. did point out that it's individual mistakes, but then he caveated it by saying, oh, you know, we still played well. It can't be both. You can't play well and make individual mistakes. You lose games. Losing games does not mean you're playing well. So I don't know. That, that's the part that kind of fucked me up a bit when I heard it is, you know, why even say that? L let's just be completely honest with ourselves. We looked like shit. And Andres touched on it, too. I didn't even mention the second half. It was it was it was god awful. There was no cohesion. And what what do you blame that on? I mean, like we can talk, we can get into uh, you know the the front three, the Kai Havertz injury. I mean, obviously, I think Kai Havertz played a phenomenal first half and was very unfortunate that he got he got hurt. I mean, it's just like you know the injuries just keep on piling up. You know, we can't catch a break. And then you know putting Lukaku on second half. You'd think that we would improve, but we didn't see that. What what happened? What what is the reason for our second half, you know, uh, yeah. lackluster performance? I mean, I'll I'll give you this: the the West Ham matched our formation, so this happened yet again, another week where a team matches the back three. But West Ham's back three is extremely physical; they're big boys, big bodies. What was Kai doing that Lukaku wasn't? He was making them run. Kai, Ziyech, and Mount were just fluid up front, switching, making runs in behind. Like They were making the back three for West Ham move around and feel uncomfortable. And and at this point, I don't know what the obsession from Tuchel is to put Lukaku playing off of the middle center back or whichever center back is in there and playing with his back to goal. But it's not benefiting anyone. Lukaku's not scoring. It makes our our form of playing very stale the ball goes to the middle the rest of the defense can set up because because they have a big center back he can handle one-on-one -on -one with Lukaku other people mark up around them ball goes backwards recycles possession we try it again like there's nothing threatening about that and after 20 plus crosses from our wingbacks in this match I was like why are we still trying that like those crosses were not working so I I just reached a point where I was just like the, the the Kai getting hurt means the instruction to Lukaku is different because he's also not 100%. So it's not like he's going to fully unleash him to run in behind the lines, but Lukaku didn't run at all and he was used as a focal point and that just played into West Ham's hands. <laughs> I know, but what's the other option? Timo? R Lukaku can run. Like Lukaku he can't. can run he between. Can. Tuchel said he wasn't even fit to play 45 minutes, but he was then, forced to. So if he's not even fit to play 45 minutes, what makes you think play. he's fit to make diagonals behind the center backs? Then, then don't play. Watch the game you're watching. Like I know, I know, Maybe I know. Timo I know, but here's the thing. Solution. If he doesn't play, then the only other option is Timo. Pulisic and if anyone also. diagonals as a decoy, which was half of the job Havertz was doing, might have worked. Yeah, like we put in a guy that's not moving. Like, what's the point of playing an injured guy? Like, honestly, play Barkley and make Loftus Cheek up the forward. Have a I don't nine. shit. Yeah, like Cho play Cho Mountain Pulisic up front. Like, if if Lukaku can't move, and all he is is a target man, which we know he doesn't like to do. Like, why did we shell out ninety million for a Giroud? Yeah. I get the frustration. I mean, I was frustrated with it too because it seemed like there wasn't a real 
there wasn't a game plan. It was more like get the ball to your feet and lay it off to somebody. And nine times out of 10, when he'd get the ball laid off to his feet, there was either nobody near him or his touch was heavy because he's not match fit. It's it's blatantly right. obvious. And, and I, I think that's what I was more frustrated at rather than his performance was like, why are we, why are we like, why are we throwing out a wounded warrior onto the pitch? <laughs> Just put someone out there that's fully fit. That's going to have the energy to do something. And yes, I know I you know poked a little bit of fun at Timo, but that was a little tongue in cheek. Andres, you're right. You know, those diagonals would have worked. I, me personally, I would have liked to either see Pulisic or maybe even Ross Barkley, like you said, come in and play as a central slash false nine type of role. You could even ask Pulisic to make those runs in behind because he's so fucking good at it too. He did it against Man City last season. So for me, Tuchel was finding all the right solutions. And now we've kind of hit a point where, you know, he made a mistake and managers do that. <laughs> Again, not down on Tuchel whatsoever. Still think he's the best manager in world football at the moment. But, you know, this is this is a time where, you know, he's going to sort of be put to the test. You have to find a solution here if Lukaku's not healthy. We have eight games before, uh, I think, seven games before the new year, at least. You can't play Lukaku all those matches. So the matches you don't have him and you don't have Havertz, if you don't want to use Timo, what's the solution? So let's mm. see what he comes up with. I mean... Ultimately, guys, I think the thing is, you know, this team was firing on all cylinders for so long. Something had to give eventually, and I think this is it. I think ultimately we'll be better off for it. But for for the time being, it's just a matter of finding those solutions so we could get back on track sooner rather than later. And I also think another thing to add to the Lukaku thing, I just think that the cohesion with with the team, with Lukaku out there, isn't there yet. Because... Like something that he did so well at Inter was, you know, he received the ball, the player who played him that ball, they continue their run and then he would lay it off to them, you know, for, for a goal. And I, I didn't see that one time. I didn't see Mason Mount or, I mean, Hakeem Ziyech isn't really that kind of player, but he needs to do that when Lukaku is out there, um, continue making their run so that he can lay it off to them because he's a phenomenal passer. And, I mean, I think that's just another aspect of, you know, bringing in an injured Lukaku who can't, who's who's limited in what he can do. You know, the players around him didn't really help him out um, and, you know, play to his strengths and what he can do at this moment. But I think that it's fair to, to uh, give a little bit of blame to Tuchel. Maybe that was not the right decision. Um, but... You know he was put in he was put in a tough spot with Kai getting hurt. I think isn't Timo isn't Timo also injured? Like he's 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 a little. I don't, he's, I'm not sure, but at the end of the he, day, I think he was like he he missed the midweek game or yeah, yeah he hey he was like a scratch just like just in case like Jorginho and uh, Reese James. Here's the thing though, like before this match, we didn't know. Lukaku couldn't play 45 minutes. We just thought Lukaku was fit enough to play, period. So I guess hindsight's a little 2020, but now that we know the facts that he really couldn't even play 45 minutes to begin with, it just, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm looking up to see whether Timo, yeah, there's no, there's no news of him being injured. So uh, that could have been he a just move has to for get sure. His shit together. Yeah. All right. Uh, Let's talk a little bit more about uh, the front three. 
uh, a positive Mason Mount back in form. Uh, Chelsea's last four goals have all come through Mason Mount, uh, two goals and two assists. Um, Hakeem Ziyech also heating up in his last six matches. He has two goals and three assists. Um, that Mason Mount goal, that ball from Hakeem Ziyech was fucking spot on. I mean, it got right in the exact right spot. Credit to Mason Mount for, you know, hitting that first time and getting it near post, sneaking it uh, past Fabianski. But uh, that ball was, whew, I want to see more of that. And uh, if we can see more of that, that, you know, that that's the good thing about having Hakeem Ziyech on the left side. Um, you can make those diagonal balls without having to cut back. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, what did you guys make uh, of of those two um, and, and their chemistry together, Andreas? Yeah, I think that right now is the best time for both of these guys to catch form, especially with all these injuries. I mean, you, you need Mason Mount on the side. He had been kind of in and out of it, kind of wasn't up to his usual standard, and here we are the last two matches, literally the last two matches, two goals, two assists. Unbelievable form. He's kind of making that right side his own again. Uh, as for Siyesh, his other option would be to play wing back in the way that Pulisic and, and Cho have been asked to, and we know that's never going to happen. So you need him to be putting out you know, the, the concrete stats and the goals, the assists. And so while we try to figure out what to do in left wing back and while we try to figure out what to do at striker and even at center mid because of all the injuries, Mount and Ziyech need to keep their form uh, so that we can get results, even if it's ugly. Like At this point, they're making things happen when things aren't looking good, and and you kind of have to ride that wave. So if there's two guys that you want to manage properly and make sure aren't they're not getting hurt at this point, it's it's those two guys for me. Yeah, I'd, I'd throw Reese James in there too, just from an offensive output standpoint i guess um yeah no mason mount he, he's back in form there's nothing there, there's nothing to doubt about that and same thing with hakeem ziesh i said it uh, in the watford pod too that you know i, I had my criticism of ziesh and I, I called him out multiple times for not you know being the player that we bought him to be and now he's starting to do that so good on him and in terms of the kai issue it's uh it's a little concerning because, I mean, it was a guy that's, you know, coming back into form and, um, you know, obviously I hope he comes back sooner rather than later. But again, you know, what is Tuchel going to do to compensate for his loss and also for the lack of fitness in Lukaku? So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on there. Maybe you use that management of Mountain Ziyech and, 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 you know, I guess – Maybe you can use one of those guys since they're in form and play them as maybe a false nine or throw an extra body in the midfield, like Andres said. That might be an option too. So, um, yeah, I, I I think those guys are going to be the ones that we have to lean on moving forward in terms of Mountain Ziyech, at least for the time being. The next two or three matches, um, you know, they're going to be crucial for you know just scoring goals. Period. Um. And back to Kai Havertz, because, Zach, you mentioned that you thought he was coming back into form. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did get a question from uh, at Black Emoji. Um, 
he said, is this the same Havertz who was posting sensational numbers in the Bundesliga? Zach, I think uh, it I think it was a very good glimpse of it. Yeah, the last two matches, he was really good against um, you know uh, uh, against Watford. I thought he was really good here as well. Just completely ran the show up top, moving players out of position. I don't think Zuma pulls his hamstring if Havertz doesn't make him run so much in the first half. You know, it's it's just he's starting to make an impact everywhere on the pitch, and you know the numbers are starting to grow too. You know, he's creating goals. He gets on the end of things every now and then too. So it's a struggle. Uh, I hope he comes back soon because if he does and he gets back in form, then yeah, you know, we'll see the Bundesliga Havertz any day now. And and I think if he stays fit, it would be fair to say that he would be hitting his potential at the moment. But, um, you know, it just sucks. Yeah, I'm hoping he's back soon. Uh, if you followed Havertz's numbers, um, not just in the Bundesliga, but even just last season, uh, unlike like some players fade as the season continues. I mean, someone in recent history, Diego Costa's production went down after December. Oscar for Chelsea was like night and day, super good in the fall, not so great in the spring. Havertz does the opposite. Uh, at Bayer... Leverkusen now at Chelsea he grows into the season and it's unfortunate timing for the the injury because I really think that we were close to seeing him put up a good run of games where he was a dominant figure I thought he was really good midweek I know I wasn't able to speak about it but I thought he was extremely good against Watford and and I was really looking forward to seeing him continue to do what he was doing in that first half so hoping it's a minor thing so we can get him back on the pitch and, and kind of one of those things where like kind of watch, keep watching Havertz. And, and I think at least I'm in, in the boat that I think that we're only going to see him improve uh, rather than, than go back to, to kind of like the lull that was November for him. And I also think that the question was a little tongue in cheek uh, or it's more like him saying this shouldn't, this is not, the Kai Havertz who is posting sensational numbers in the Bundesliga because he's not doing that. He really isn't right now. To, to, to Kai's defense, if he stays healthy, I think you make a case that you keep playing him at striker, regardless of Lukaku's fitness, just based on form. And I think that's the part that sucks about the injury more than anything is, you know, even though it might've been asked tongue in cheek, for me, it's a serious question because we were really starting to see how Kai can influence games and 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 fuck up back lines. And you know, in the last what three halves of football he's played, he's done nothing but. So that's where it feels like a kick in the nuts more than anything. Um. All right, let's talk a little bit about our midfield. Unless there's anything else you guys wanted to add about the Lukaku thing. I know we touched on it a little bit, but um, uh, you know, this mid—if this match showed us anything, it's the importance of having options in the midfield. And there was a point where we thought we had, you know, great midfield rotation, but um, you know, Kovacic and N'Golo Kante both out for who knows how long. Um, Jorginho's also playing with a you know pain in his hip, um, according to Tuchel. Um, RLC's kind of been overused, forced to play 
um, maybe in matches that he's not best suited. Saul at this point isn't even an option right now. I think uh, we got a question from Ron, uh, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He said, with all the injuries piling up, do we recall one of the Lone Academy or look for reinforcement in the market? Zach? I think uh, in terms of left wing back, because I think that's probably the first position that pops to mind. I don't think there's anybody out there in the Lone Army that's going to make you know, a bigger impact than Alonzo would as the backup or Dave. Um, but for me, it's it's Billy Gilmore. You know, if this if this midfield conundrum or injury crisis, whatever you want to call it, continues, why not take a guy who's not having the greatest loan spell? I know he's starting to play more, but um, you know, we loaned him thinking that there wasn't going to be game time and that he could develop more elsewhere. And now we're in a position where we can give him a bunch of game time, and uh, and and he can develop. So um, I. In a perfect world, I'd like to see him back in, but you know, obviously, this wouldn't happen until after the festive period, and by then, you'd expect one of Kovacic or Conte to be back. Um, but, so, I mean, you mentioned the wing back position, and I, I just, I was looking through uh, Dave's like playing history in the past couple of matches. Um, he was on the bench for the full West Ham match against United. He doesn't come off the bench. Against Leicester, he didn't come off the bench. Uh, he started uh, against Watford, right? Did he start against Watford? I think Yeah. Uh, he started against Watford because Reese James was out. And then uh, Juventus, he came off the bench uh, because of Reese James uh, getting hurt. Um, or no, because of Ben Chilwell getting hurt. So, um, I mean, could you foresee maybe Reese James playing on the left side and then Dave on the right side? I think he finished the United match on the left, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he did, and he did it. He made a couple of nice crosses where he cut in and like curled it far post. You're talking I about can Reece. see it as an option. You're talking about, you're talking about Reese, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd like to see that, like. You know, being on the left side with his right foot, I mean, I think that that would be more of a threat, a goal-scoring threat, not necessarily the the playmaking. But um, I think he could, you know, like Dave can definitely fit fit that playmaking role on the right side because it's it's. I mean, our midfield is important, but our system thrives off our wingbacks, and I think that Marcus Alonso. Yeah, he's he had a great beginning of the season, but it's 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 night and day now since since the Ben Chilwell uh, injury. I just haven't seen, you know, much. Uh, it, it just it just it, we've fallen off. We, like we look completely different. Uh, Andreas, is there is there anyone that you'd think uh, of bringing bringing on? Uh yeah. So I I think if we're gonna dip into the market specifically at midfield at this point, if you can convince Monaco to let go of Chomeni in January, you try to um, obviously a fully fit Conte is still going to be the number one option. But unfortunately for us, this season um, has shown us that 
Conte may not stay healthy very long. So if that's the case, then we need to have a backup plan and a long-term plan as well. And I think that Chomeni could be that option if we're going to go into January specifically. Zach, I was on to ask something. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. Uh, if I recall, Andres, weren't you the one that said you don't want to uh, go into any panic signings like Zapacosta or Drinkwater? Doesn't this pot- have the potential to be that signing? I mean, every you, other. You mean the January guy that we signing... almost signed in the summer, and that we're supposed to sign next summer? So, like a long-term target of the club. Yes, a long-term target target of the club, but one that is not Declan Rice. I think I think you go after target A. You're you're an elite club in Europe. You don't go after backups at this point. Not even Wait, to save your But that's season. my thing. Like I don't think I, and and the whole Declan Rice thing has really been upsetting me recently because obviously we played West Ham so everybody wanted to make it a Jorginho versus Declan nah, Rice. Like yeah, if we're playing a double pivot, like don't limit Declan Rice to being a destroyer because he's way more than that. Like to a many would be the the Conte heir apparent like a guy that's going to be a complete breaker of counterattacks, a physical presence, apt in dribbling, apt in passing. Declan Rice is, is a complete midfielder at this point who is very good at the defending part, but that's not all he does. So, so yeah, you're still going to go after Declan Rice, but at the same time, like when you miss what Conte does, it's like, okay, what do we do? Like, Loftus, you meant we we've talked about Loftus Cheek and Jet and Jorginho. Like those guys are gonna melt if we use them every single match in December. Like if we're already in injury crisis, like yeah, I, I just think like the way Conte plays and the way he throws his body out there, like I don't think we're gonna get a Conte that plays thirty matches in a in a season. Much like a lot. I'm not saying we get rid of him, but at the same time, it's like. Right. You have to manage Conte's time. You can't depend on Conte being there week in and week out. And so you need to have a guy that can provide something of that ilk and eventually take over that role. And Zach, you don't think that Chiumeni or uh, uh, or Declan Rice are mutually exclusive, right? Like if we bring in Chiumeni on January, that doesn't close the door completely on bringing a Declan Rice in the summer. I wouldn't say it doesn't close the door on them buying both of them at some point, but I don't see them buying, you know, a replacement for a DM. We don't have to say replacement right now. Well, 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 well no, essentially it, reinforcement. It, 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 reinforcement. Excuse me. Yeah. But I don't see us getting two defensive reinforcements back to back summers. Andres, I know, I know Declan's a, a well-rounded midfielder, but if you buy Declan Rice, you're buying him to stabilize the base of that midfield, period. Um, so, and, and the same thing goes for Chuameni. So, I don't know. So, I'm not saying. So, I guess I'm, the question is the question is like, so do you throw away the title race? Like, that's the no, alternative think, at this point. Like, I don't think we throw away the title race. I mean, do we know how fit Kova is? The thing is, we, he comes we haven't back. heard a damn thing since October. Like, the guy's been, yeah. it's been no. radio silence. No, I think Tuchel said like yesterday we're we're probably gonna miss him for f- five or six weeks. Fucking a man, yeah. Then at that, 
at that point, then yes. I mean, you, 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 the thing is, I just have PTSD. I I, I do. If I'm I think it's different, honest. man. Like the other the, the other names you gave me were like people that were in their prime. This would be an investment. Like you're not gonna recall Connor Gallagher because that is the most selfish just thing you can do to a guy that's been time right now. No, you don't touch he's him. He's their player of the season right now. Like yeah. you don't. And he's and he's much more of a box to box. Maybe more. Again, I I kind of call him like almost a Mason Mount clone at this point. Like he's gonna give you what Mount does, and and Mount doesn't play in the double pivot. Like. We need somebody to step in there. We have two healthy bodies. Saul is just disappointment as after disappointment. The only other thing is like, oh, Trevor Chalaba. Oh, Trevor Chalaba's hurt. It's like, oh, do you put Reese James there? Then who the hell do you put at right wing back every week? So like you need to have a midfielder. I, I It's a tough – we're in a tough spot right now. Sorry, I think I I misread the Kovacic quote earlier. Um, it was I think Tuchel like you know spoke for kind of broken English. He said like he said I uh, talking about Conte. He said I actually have no idea when he will be back, and we're all missing not only Ingolo but also Mateo Kovacic since five or six weeks ago. So he was saying that he's been hurt for five or six weeks. Damn, he didn't gave say, me a heart attack. Yeah, he didn't say. He would be out for five or six weeks. I, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to confirm because I remember he said that after the match. Yeah. yeah it, apparently, it's uh, he's close, but they don't want to rush a muscle injury like the one he got. Um, okay. That's what I found from an article that Sports Illustrated quoted Tuchel's last. Uh, yeah, he says that it's tricky fixture schedule. There's nine games in December, and they hope that he's back soon. All right. Well, so how about instead of one. how about instead of getting reinforcements, um, we got a question from uh, Michael Conan at M Conan seventeen eighty nine. He said, "System change. Don't have a left back good enough without Chilwell. The defense has gone haywire. Is this on Tuchel to fix, or will he be stubborn?" Um, and uh, another question from Huey nine eight seven five eight addressing a similar point. He said, thought we played well again, not a lot missing, finishing, avoiding individual errors. Is it time for four at the back and an extra body in the midfield? Zach, what do you think about a system change? I think I think that's the solution, honestly. And I've been the biggest proponent of the 3-4-3. But look, if things aren't working out and we're not playing well in that formation, you know, maybe we do switch up things. You know, we did see... Christensen play almost exclusively on the right side towards the end of Watford. That could be a solution. When Trevor Chalaba comes back, you know he could play in one of those outside positions. Dave speaks for himself. Um, you know, I think I think this is probably the more likely solution too, because I know we haven't mentioned it, but uh, Tuchel did talk about the substitution of Marcus Alonso and said that it was due to him feeling some discomfort in his back. So if he's injured as well. There's definitely uh, a system change at hand because we don't have wing backs to play nine matches in December. And, you know, unless you're going to play Cho and Pulisic as your starting wing backs in four of those nine matches, it's just not going to happen. So I think a system change might be the best bet. And honestly, I think it could solidify our midfield as well. Obviously, we'll lose a center back in that equation, but we'll be gaining a midfielder. Um, Jorginho will have that much more protection as he gets that much more fatigued. 
Loftus Cheek will have more protection. Um, you know, but ultimately, you have to think of some of those consequences. And Andres, maybe you could touch on it, but like I feel if that's the solution, the system to go with would be just your four three three. Maybe drop Mount into the midfield and uh, you know, run your two conventional wingers. I mean, that's something that we saw Tuchel do at PSG a lot when he ran four three three. So that could be something that we see here. Yeah, it's tough. Like, I think if you revert to a back four, then you play Aspie at left back um, and Reese at right back. I think, I mean, I think there's still life in the 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, we don't know how long Chaloba's out, but we have three guys that can play there. You add Aspie, who can slide back into the, the back three. Um if Alonso is struggling, again, the only other place that I would want to see Saul is potentially at left wing back. Um, if you go to a back four, that actually takes a body away from protect, protecting Jorginho because the fullbacks would still be slightly pushing forward. Um, we don't currently have a healthy player that's going to do the Conte-esque work. Conte and Kovic is neither healthy. Um if anything, I would say like perhaps Four, two, three, because one. we are yeah, I was gonna say perhaps because we we are so good at keeping possession, you you don't think about your defensive solidity, but instead you you lean into your offensive talents and you run the four two three one. So then you put Mount ahead of the other midfielder so that he can pitch in with the with the with the defensive work, but you allow Ballistic, Cho, Ziyech, um perhaps Lukaku won't have to be as much of a target man in this formation. And you let those guys kind of run wild. If finishing is an issue, then you crank up the amount of chances created in a game so that if we're creating 50 chances a game, at least two will go in. So it just depends on how, how you want to go about it. Are you going to go and, and say, I'm going to outscore you? Or are you going to go conservative and say, we'll just have to scrape out one nil victories. I mean, that's kind of been our identity the last uh, however long Tuchel's been here, 12 months, whatever, that, that's kind of how it's been. Um, you know, we, we've, we've been relying on the defense first and foremost, <laughs> first to defend and also to score. Because, <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, there's no really, like, you know, you're saying let's let's lean more into our offensive talent. Right now, our offensive talent is not performing well. Well, is that due to the system, though? Like, our system, like you mentioned earlier, is built to make our wingbacks the most important guys. Like, like, like for, for example, if we were to have a player like Mo Salah playing in this Chelsea team, he wouldn't be putting out the numbers he's putting out at Liverpool, where yeah. the front uh... three are the ones that are getting all the freedom to do what they want versus in our team where the wingbacks get the freedom to do mm. what they want. This this is but I don't know if you can make that comparison though cuz here's the thing. One, I don't think Tuchel's going to lean into the offensive talent cuz the first thing he said when he became manager of Chelsea was I'm going to make it really hard to score against us. Well, he said he, he's he's going to build a team that's going to that you don't want to play against. That doesn't mean that it's going to be a defensive only. I think he's going to stick with the defense because we've our defenders have also been our best goal scorers. So keep as many of them on the pitch as you can. I, I, look, 
when Trevor Chalaba comes back, in my solution or my hypothetical solution at 4-3-3, he could even play at the base of that midfield. And then you're technically not really losing that body uh, in the middle of the pitch, you know? You could throw your wing backs forward and you would still have a back three at that point. But I don't know. I, I think it'd be interesting, but I do think that we're going to see a different system at some point. Then who plays left back? In that situation? You Marcus could play Alonso. Dave or Alonzo. Yeah. Dave, Marcus I'm not Alonso. putting Alonzo at left back. And then, yeah, you know, at right like back, him. you got... Okay, if Dave's going to be your exclusive wing back at right back, you got Reese. Chalaba could play out there. Christensen could fill in out there if he needs to. At left back? Rudiger even played right back at Roma. And I'm not saying he's going to play right oh back for God. Chelsea, but just throwing that out there too. We don't have... we. It's crazy to think that we don't have the personnel to play that, I don't think, right now. With Chilwell out... I don't know how we can we can manage that. It's like I said, it's yeah, probably going to be like what I said earlier, with uh with Dave on the right and uh, Reese James on the left, honestly. Or if Tuchel may, might Tuchel could find a solution in maybe just throwing an attacking player just full on as a wing back and just three five two figuring out a way to. I'm talking about know. a back four though. Oh oh oh. Yeah, I'm talking about in a back uh, four, well, back a four, left back. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want Marcus go Alonso. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, we got to figure out something soon because we we really messed up a little bit in our t- title implications. Obviously, and you want to rap. What? And you want to rap? Yeah, and I want to be on top of the table so I can rap my uh, my fire bars. Um, but. It's unfortunate in the same weekend that we have this bad loss, City and Liverpool both get their wins. Uh, so now we're sitting third in the table with on 33 points. City is in first uh, on 35, Liverpool on 34. Um, so it's this is a really exciting title race as a you know if if you for the unbiased third party viewer, um, this is going to be an exciting title race. Uh, it's going to be very stressful for us, um, but I think it, you know, it's it, it's 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 it'll switch up multiple times throughout the year. You know, all three of us have had all three teams have had bad losses this season. I mean, I'm pretty sure that didn't Liverpool also lose three two to West Ham. Same West Ham score? beat both City and Liverpool, but yeah. West Ham beat City in the in the Carabao, not the league. Okay, yeah, yeah, but in league, Liverpool lost three two, same score. Yep. Um, so it's gonna be like that the rest of the season. Um, but we did get uh, a a cry for help. One of our Twitter questions. Um, patron Chelsea, new name, formerly Kiros Medvedev. Uh, he will now be uh, referred to as Patron Chelsea. Um, he said three games lost due to individual errors. Three games Tuchel blasted his own players post-match. We are in palpable Discord territory. We will finish the season fifth and trophyless. Changed my mind. Oof. Harsh. I mean, Zach, what do you think? Uh, we will not finish in fifth, and we will not finish trophyless. The world is not over, guys. There's there's still <laughs> plenty of matches to be played. Um, there's still AFCON for Liverpool. You know, City still doesn't have a striker. 
you know, things can happen, and, and football's fucking mad. And I think uh, if anyone thought that we were just going to sit comfortably at the top of the table between now and the end of May, they're they're mistaken, and this is proof. So, you know, it's just one slip up. Um, I I think the team's going to find solutions, and I'm confident that Tuchel will find us solutions too. And yes, you're allowed to be frustrated right now, and you're allowed to criticize the team, but there's no reason to think that, you know, after the success we've seen under Tuchel, that. Just after three matches, the wheels are falling off. That's that's madness. If you go ask Man United, it takes a year and a half for the wheels to fall off. Uh, I I just want to, and I'm being slightly facetious, but like three games lost. I'm, I'm what we we drew United, we beat Watford, and we lost to West Ham. There was individual mistakes in all three of those, but last I checked, we only lost two matches in the Premier League. And our only other loss was Juventus. So I get that the last three performances were awful. But, like, again, we picked up four points at three really bad performances. Um, I think it's just a matter of let's take care of leads. And and you go one game at a time. Everybody has to go through December. There is a ridiculous amount of matches being played this month. Zach alluded to, to AFCON, which impacts Liverpool the most. Uh, directly, I would say. Uh, City only lose Riyad Mahrez, and I don't even know if Mahrez is playing every single week anyway. But again, they don't have a number nine. They might struggle against the super physical teams. Again, December is a crapshoot. You just try to maximize the amount of points you get in December. Nobody is going to go undefeated this month. Nobody. And, and, And one other thing, Andres. City has already shown that they can uh, struggle to score goals too. Go look at how many one-goal victories they have in matches. They don't kill teams off like they used to. Yes, they're still a well-oiled machine, but I think that's the weakness that we could identify in Man City. And then obviously in Liverpool, you have the AFCON thing too. So like to Kareel's, we love you, man, but just kind of hang in there. (laughs) You know, it's things are tough now, but... Just have some trust, man. There's no reason for any of us not to trust this group of players and this and this coach. So that's all I'll say about that. It, it's I think that um, being concerned right now is uh, warranted, but um, because we haven't looked great in those three matches, they weren't three losses, but there were three matches where we did not look good. Um, and they might have well have been losses. Uh, but uh, to say that we'd finish fifth is hu- huge exaggeration because right now the gap between us and, you know, West Ham right now is in fourth. It's pretty sizable. How many? Oh, six points, actually. West Ham like is that. not <laughs> jumping us in the table, guys. No, I mean, it's still, but like, it, we've, the top three have separated themselves from the rest of the, t- of the table. We're not falling out of top three, that's for sure. Um, yeah. And I, 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 I'm with you. Like the, this is way too, too far of an overreaction. Um, but you know, to to kind of, you know, you talked about Andreas. You talked about December being a crapshoot. Um. So our next five Premier League matches before we we meet Liverpool uh, January for, uh, 2nd. Uh, so we have Leeds at home, Everton at home, Wolves away, Villa away, 
Brighton away. Um, out of those five, the best team uh, out of the bunch are probably Wolves, who are sitting eighth in the table currently. Um, but you know, when when you think about the schedule, like how you know you think that 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 realistically we could like we would drop any of these matches. Uh, I think. I mean, I think this is going to answer Black Emoji's question, but you know, I think this is the best possible opportunity to get back on track. Is the softness of the schedule at this point? And like, I know the fixtures are are coming thick and fast, but you know, you're looking at some teams that have been struggling. Leeds, you know, their chairman is cussing fans out now. Everton hasn't been playing very well. You know, Wolves have sort of kind of played their way into form. Um, so, you know, you touched on it. They're a threat. Villa's new manager bounce is, you know, gone. I think they dropped points at the weekend. No, they beat Leicester. Or or did they beat Leicester? Okay. Yeah, well, two to one. Well, either way, um, you know, they're trying to climb up the table pretty far down it. Brighton, much of the same. They've struggled for results. This I don't know. I I, I just think that this is the time where we do get back on track. Think the schedule's just way too soft not to. And I think the players are going to be looking at it, licking their chops too, because these are all opportunities where they could redeem themselves and, you know, get that professionalism back on track. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm looking at Brighton and Villa as the two that are the ones that kind of worry me the most. Um, we last season did not play well at Villa when we had to win to get top four and we got bailed out by I think Tottenham um and then Brighton uh, Graham Potter to me is a, a fantastic manager and I think they outperform what they should be doing so for me it's one of those matches that'll be very frustrating so I think yeah we, we have to take advantage of the of the fixtures I don't care if it's a 90th minute goal that gets us a win every single time for me it's just just get the points and stay healthy at this point like I I yeah. I think the health of our players needs to be almost a very close to priority number one. Getting out of of December with like a relatively healthy roster, definitely. Um, but I, I, and li- by the time we play Liverpool, Afcon wouldn't have started yet, would it? They're After? they're fighting to get Salah and Mane in. I think that it. Technically, the last thing I had read was that players were supposed to start flying to camps after the Boxing Day matches, and we play Liverpool January 2nd. Yeah, but Klopp has also you know, said that they're pretty confident they'll both be available. I think they're pushing for them to, to play. Liverpool's going to fly them in, private charter. You know, They'll do whatever they need to to get them in. That'll really be stupid if they allow them, though. They allow them what to to sit to out extra time. Oh, <laughs> saying nice. that tongue in cheek. Yeah, yeah. that would that'll be a bad decision. You guys should let them play. This the Afcon <laughs> Afcon is way more important right now than uh than the Premier League title. So don't worry about. Well, it. look if if international trophies are you know that important for Ballon d'Or, then Afcon is very important for Mohamed Salah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they'll just give it to Messi again next year. <laughs> Even if he no. keeps scoring at Afcon. <laughs> no. Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah, I mean, that's all it takes. You just got to win one uh, domestic cup and 
that's you won Ballon, Ballon d'Or. Uh, Win six, get one free. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? What is that in reference to? He Messi, had six dude. Ballon d'Ors before oh. this one. <laughs> good. Nice. All right. Um. So yeah, I think we're all relatively on the same page. We're not worried. Pissed but optimistic. Yeah. Yeah. Hoping we're like, we could be both. Like the only thing that would worry us is more injuries at this point. Like we yeah. want to keep everyone healthy, continue to rotate the squad, manage, you know, uh, their workload. Don't overplay anyone too much. And we'll get through December unscathed. Um, all right. Next match coming up midweek champions league against Zenit St. Petersburg, uh, at St. Petersburg, the Gazprom arena. Um, obviously we need to get back on track. Uh, we did, uh, I mean, no, we won against Juventus. Oh well, yeah. I'll get it back on track from our last match. But, uh, you know, I think that this is a great opportunity for us to get back on track. The last time we played, um, well, let me. I'm trying to pull up the uh, score last time we played. Uh, do any of you guys remember what it was? One nil. Uh, it was a one nil win. One nil, yeah. So not, and it was just off of one Lukaku goal. Um, the header was it Aspi? The Aspi cross, yeah. So that actually makes me a little bit more worried. Is there is there anything to be worried about for this match? Or for more injuries? <laughs> yeah injuries form we're not playing mama it's okay yeah i mean they're technically zenit has nothing to play for in this either but pride um if i'm not mistaken they're even if mama wins their match zenit is through I mean, I know Zenit has players that are well-paid, but, I mean, they're going to have some pride. They're going to want to score against Chelsea in the Champions League. At home. At home, I mean, especially. They're, they're, they're only two points ahead in their league as well. So, like, they're at home, sure. But do they play their strongest 11 when they basically have Europa League? Like, it's Europa League. Like, there's no other alternative. Like, I, I, at this point, like, yeah, sure, you, you have pride. But, like, do you risk... Did they also risk a potential injury that could affect their league position when Europa League is their only next move? Yeah, I hope they think like you, Andres. I really do. <laughs> it's December. I mean, the league, they, Zenit has to win their league every single year to even consider having a good season. They're going to end up at Europa League no matter what. Like, you've played... One, two, three, four, five months of football at this point before potentially getting a winter break in Russia. You never know. Yeah. Sam, how does that make you feel as a Cisco Moscow fan? <laughs> Hearing him say that about Zenit. I'm not a Cisco Moscow fan. I'm actually a Zenit St. Petersburg fan because that's where you watch the World Cup, right? Uh, well, yeah, I watch in, in a couple of different cities. Uh, I went. Uh, yeah, we watched uh, the game. I watched. I don't remember if, I think it was uh, Saint Petersburg where we watched the match actually. Yeah, uh, but I, it I wasn't. I remember you mentioning it. It wasn't Zenit Saint Petersburg Stadium, mm. um, but uh, I think it was like built just for the World Cup, honestly. But um, 
yeah, I'm a fan of Zenit St. Petersburg because of Sardar Asmun, a.k.a. the Iranian Messi. And I will try my best to not root for him. I'll try my <laughs> best. Well, I mean, if we're going to just kind of go ahead and give our predictions, I think we get back on track. Um, I'm going to say another 1-0. I don't think it'll be pretty. Andreas? 2-0 two, two for me. Okay, I'll uh I'll align myself with Andreas. I think we got two. Um, I mean, I honestly don't even know. Like, what what lineup do you think will will play? Like, will Lukaku start? Will no? Like, Lukaku's I, not gonna I think, start. I think Barkley uh, will Zach's start. Favorite Zach's favorite player, Timo Werner, will get the the call up front. I think it'll be something along the lines of like a Cho Timo Pulisic front three. Um midfield Barkley in the double pivot with add one of J5 and, and RLC Ugh, God you maybe see Aspie at left wing back Reese at right wing back and then the healthy back three because <laughs> they're it you know actually actually I take it back this could be the perfect chance for one Xavier Muyamba to make a random start to give one of the back three guys some rest. Oh, man. I bet you there's going to be one random academy guy in this lineup. Not in the lineup. I think in the squad. In the starting. In the, I, I'm thinking in the starting lineup. We had a few names not too long ago in the bench. I think like I think the Leeds game is a, more, it's a higher priority than the Zenit game. Even though I really want to get first place in the group. By the way, I lied. This this was the match. I mean, this was the stadium I went to. I watched a match in this stadium. Was Gasparo this the stadium Marina. that added that ridiculous like retractable stand roof. that's well, like they, outside the stadium? No, they have a retractable roof, and it's honestly so beautiful. Like to walk in, you like walk through this giant park. It's such a nice stadium because they call it Krestovsky Stadium. But it's mm. it's known as Gazprom Arena, but I, I guess it wasn't that when I went there. Um, but it's really sick. But unfortunately, the home fans will have to, uh, you know, witness watch a loss. their team lose. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I guess that's a good uh, note to end the pod on. Um, if you're not following us on Twitter, make sure you are at Roman's Empire Pod. Uh, we do drop episodes after every podcast. If you guys like what you hear, let us know. If you want to ask a question that's included on the pod, uh, just go ahead and tweet us. And uh, if it's good enough, you'll get in. So until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.